You're listening to True North with Pastor Gary Cottle of Gary Cottle Ministries on today's edition. Pray and pray earnestly and beg God to move on our behalf. It's time that we connect with God on the level of the heart. When was the last time that you cried out to God passionately? You poured your heart out to Him, knowing that it was just you and Him. You're in His presence, and He's hearing you, and you're connected at the heart. That's the kind of praying we need in order to usher in a revival. But a prayerless church is a dying church. In a world filled with distractions, it's becoming easier and easier to only partially engage with people. Instead of personal eye-to-eye conversations, there are surface-level texts and photoshopped posts. But as Pastor Gary shares today, it's not how God wants you to talk to Him. He wants you to share your heart, to open up what's going on when you pray. These fervent prayers will welcome God's presence into your life in new ways and will ripple out into the lives of the people around you. Now here's Pastor Gary in Psalm 74, as he continues his message, Church Killers. Now listen, you can't be perfect. You're not going to be perfect, but you ought to strive and you ought to be willing to say I was wrong when you're wrong. Amen. And if you did something to your child that was not right, then you need to be able to swallow your pride and go to your child humbly and apologize and ask for forgiveness and say I'll try to be better next time. And when you get real with your kids and you get real with God, they understand then at that point that this means something to you. You don't have to be perfect. You just got to be real. And you just got to be honest. And you just got to be willing to walk humbly. So hypocrisy is one of the first church killers. In Matthew 15, the Bible said, You hypocrites, well, the desires prophesy of you, saying, This people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. May God help us not to be like that. Number two, pride. In verse 4 of our text, the Bible said, Thine enemies roar in the midst of thy congregations. They set up their ensigns or their flags for signs. In other words, the enemy has set up camp. It's like an in-your-face attitude of pride. And we better not lift ourselves up in pride because the Bible says, An haughty spirit goeth before a fall. Amen. If you want to set yourself up for a fall as a church, then you feel yourself full of pride. There's nothing that encourages pride in a church any more than self-righteousness. The way we construct our stuff sometimes, and we think of ourselves so highly, and we think of ourselves better than other people. You know what? The Bible says for us to condescend to men of low degree. That means humble yourself. Get off your high horse. Amen. You ain't no better than anybody else. Only difference between you and the lost drunk on the street tonight that don't even have a home to live in is you're saved by the grace of God. We all put our pants on the same way. That's right. Everybody has their human problems. So don't let pride destroy the church. We need to walk humbly before God. Proverbs 16, 18 says, Pride goeth before destruction and an haughty spirit before a fall. May God help us to be humble, to know 
where our blessings come from. To know that were it not for the grace of God, we would be in the same place that the other people are in. And I think when we swallow our pride, we're able to minister to others. Pride blinds you and deceives you and and causes you to be comfortable with the idea that, well, they deserve what they got. And so you're okay with them uh, wallowing around in the mire, needing Jesus, and you're not trying to help them because, after all, they deserve it. When God knocks that pride out of you, you'll have a broken heart for them, and you'll be willing to try to help them out and pull them up out of the mire. Amen? Pride will kill a church as quick as anything. So we're talking about hypocrisy. We're talking about pride. Thirdly, I want to talk about prayerlessness. In verse 5 of our text, a man was famous according as he had lifted up axes upon the thick trees. He's talking about the people that came together to build the sanctuary. It said, but now they break down the carved work thereof at once with axes and hammers in the sanctuary that was furniture. And, and, And it made me think of the altar. The altar. And I think about how that when we live prayerless lives, we live powerless lives. When we have prayerless churches, we have powerless ministry. Amen. I want to ask you something. Does your prayer life extend beyond Wednesday night prayer meeting? Do you pray every day? And I'm not talking about a quick little prayer as a routine because that's vain repetition. You want me to teach you what vain repetition is? I'll help you with that. It's not necessarily repeating the same worded prayer over and over again. You could come up with a variety of different prayers and still be vain because of your attitude about your prayer. You hear what I'm saying? You may change your thoughts a little bit and change your pattern a little bit, but you can still pray vain repetition if you never engage your heart. Vain repetition has, has more to do with your motive. What's motivating you to pray? Is it so you can check that off your little religious to-do list for the day so you can say you got it done? Or is it to really connect with God at the heart? You see what I'm saying? So, to avoid vain repetition, you enter into the throne room respectfully, honoring the king, knowing that this is just not a lighthearted moment. This is a meeting with God Almighty. And so you're there to petition Him on behalf of yourself, on behalf of others. And it ought to be sincere. It ought to be fervent. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. I feel like we've lost our fervent prayers. I feel like that we pray, but they're soft and they're light and they're not engaging. They're not powerful. They're not earth-shaking prayers anymore. I understand as long as your heart is sincere, God hears you whether you're whispering or you're thinking or you're speaking out loud. I understand that. But the Bible does say something about effectual, fervent praying. That means your heart is on fire when you pray. Fervency. Sincerity. So, you can go through the motions of prayer and still be prayerless if it's vain because your prayers will go no further than the ceiling when you're praying vain repetitions. I believe that a a church that really prays and learns how to get hooked up to the throne room is a church that has power with God. Amen. One of the things that God has been teaching me over the years as I prepare to preach is before I even go to my Bible, I try to get hooked up with God in prayer. You see, prayer... It's you talking to God, and the Word is God talking to you. And sometimes I've got to prepare myself to hear from God. 
So I've got to come before him humbly. And I have to confess my sins. Amen. And I have to pour out my heart to him. And I have to open up my heart before him. And then I'm ready to receive what he has to say to me. And the times that God helps me preach, I think the best are the, time, the times that I pray more than I study. And I have learned through experience that prayer yields power. Amen. Intellectualism doesn't yield power. But prayer yields the power of God. You want the touch of God on your life? You want the touch of God on this ministry? You want God to bless this ministry? You want God to grow this ministry? Pray and pray earnestly and beg God to move on our behalf. It's time that we connect with God on the level of the heart. When was the last time that you cried out to God? Passionately. You poured your heart out to Him. Knowing that you're, it was just you and Him. You're in His presence and He's hearing you and you're connected at the heart. That's the kind of praying we need in order to usher in a revival. But a prayerless church is a dying church. Number four, gossip. Look at our text, Psalm 74, verses 7 and 8. They have cast fire into thy sanctuary. Fire is symbolic of the fire of the tongue, as mentioned in James chapter 3 and verse 6, because the Bible says that the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members, that it defileth the whole body, and setteth on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire of hell. Number four, the fourth church killer is gossip. To run about and tattle. To tell idle tales. I know we all enjoy gossip. Ain't, ain't no, hey, that's free entertainment, baby. Ain't it? Might as well say amen. We all enjoy a good juicy gossip story. But let me tell you something. Gossip has done more damage in the church probably than anything else. Because here's how it goes. You hear a version of the truth. That's not all truth. And it's mixed a little with a little bit of error. And then you go tell somebody else. And by the time you tell them your version, you've missed out on some facts and misinterpreted some facts. Amen. And now your version is different than the original version. And now you've got three or four stories going around about somebody and ain't none of them true. Amen. And now you've offended a brother or sister who's been run down and talked about. And they couldn't show up if they wanted to because now they're embarrassed that they no longer have a reputation even if it was based upon false information. You say, that don't happen, does it, Brother Gary? It sure does. I've seen it with my own eyes. Can I give you some Bible on what, how you fix gossip? All right, first of all, the Bible says, Receive not an accusation against an elder except for before two or three witnesses. So if, if you got somebody wanting to tell you something about somebody else in the church, the first way to stop it is say, stop before you say another word. Bring your two witnesses with you that saw what you're fixing to tell me happened, and then I'll listen. 99.99% of the time, they'll shut up and they'll never come back and talk to you about it again because they don't have two other witnesses. They have hearsay. Amen? You've got to be disciplined enough to not listen to it. There's always going to be a talker. There's always going to be a big mouth. In every church, there's somebody that just loves to spread the gossip. And they don't 
understand the damage that they're doing. We've got to raise up a spiritual group of people that has the ability to say, but unless they are here to defend themselves, or unless you have two or three witnesses and it's actually a relevant topic of conversation, I really don't want to hear it. Amen? My ears and my brain is not a garbage can. So that's rude. It's not as rude as you listening to that trash. It's not as rude as you enabling them in their gossip by giving them a listening ear because you're part of the problem by letting it go on and not keeping it in check. We have people damaged unnecessarily in our churches because nobody was spiritual enough to just stand up and defend the defenseless. Say, uh, hold on a minute. Now I understand what you're saying might even be true, but even if it's true, it's not our business to spread it. So, Cut it off at the source. Number two, go to the horse's mouth. Go to the person that's being talked about and tell them what's been said about them, if you've heard something, and ask them their version. And if they straighten you out and say that didn't happen, they're telling lies on you, apologize to them for listening to the gospel and say, listen, I apologize to you. I love you. I'm your friend, and I'm not going to spread it. And I want to support you if somebody else says something about you. If you do that right there, you can shut the gossip down. Because gossipers only talk to people that listen. If you're the gossiper, if you like to talk about people and you just like to spread people's business, amen, like it's nothing, then you need to get right with God. The Bible says a talebearer separateth chief friends. You know what one of the seven abominations is? Is he that soweth discord among brethren. It's interesting to me, there's a few sins in the Bible that's categorized as an abomination. One of them is homosexuality. And the other ones is sowing discord among brethren. Who would have thought that those two sins would be in the same category? But God detests sowing discord among brethren. And gossip is the best way to do it. You say, well, what I tell them about people is true. It's a fact. I got it from a good, reliable source. Yeah, right. Furthermore, even if it was true, did you know that gossip is not just spreading lies about uh, people, but it's also spreading truths about people that it's none of your business to spread? That's right. Where's forgiveness at? Where's grace at? Amen. <laughs> I ain't going to get a whole lot of amen out of this one. Praise God. I done stepped on all of our toes plus mine. Gossip will kill a church. Bible teaches us that we are to speak life to one another. Amen. Did, didn't your parents or your grandparents say this? If you can't say something good, don't say some, anything at all. Ain't that what we was taught? Amen. Ain't that good Bible doctrine? If you can't say something good, don't say nothing at all. Ain't that good stuff? Amen. Now listen, don't be a gossip, and don't be a gossip enabler, and God will help you. If you can win victory over your mouth, it'll help you go a long way. So gossip is a church killer, I'm just telling you. I've seen people, the Bible says, to take heed if you bite and devour one another, amen, because that's what we're doing when we talk about each other, we're just biting and devouring one another. And I've seen church splits, and you have too. 
and they split into splinters, and, and the splinters are split into smaller splinters. And we've got churches scattered all over the place, and we've got three here and four there and eight there, because they can't, none of them get along with one another because they don't all run each other in the ground with their mouth. And the church needs to repent of their sin of gossip. And if we, you've said something about somebody, whether it was true or not, and the Holy Ghost is dialing your number, you should go home tonight and call them up and apologize and make amends. Because until the church is willing to make amends over the stuff that's going on between each other, listen, if our relationship ain't right with one another horizontally, they're not right with God, amen, vertically. God even said, if you won't forgive your brother their trespasses, neither will I forgive you your trespasses. And when we hold grudges against one another and we just decide to go our separate ways and just say, well, we'll just settle our scores on judgment day. Listen, you don't know what you're doing, my friend. You're holding back the full blessings of God on your life and you're grieving the Holy Ghost of God whereby you're sealed to the day of redemption. And when any time revival ever broke out, you study revival history. Anytime revival ever broke out in years past, back in the Welsh revival, if you've ever studied that revival, one of the primary indicators that revival was happening is people would get grieved over the wrongs that they did to their fellow brothers and sisters or the things that they said about them that they shouldn't have said about them, and they would go to them. I'm talking about friends that they've been separated from for 20, 30 years. They would go to them weeping in tears and say, I'm sorry for the first time in 30 years, and they'd make things right, and the church would come back together and revival fire would ignite. Listen, how many people in our community could we win back to the church if we would just take the initiative to make things right? We're waiting on them to apologize to us. Let me tell you, help you with that. If you wait on them to apologize, it'll never happen, honey. If we wait on them to apologize, it will never happen. We've got to be the big people. We've got to be the one that's spiritually mature enough to be willing to begin the conversation of restoration. You know, if the church is lost, we've lost our art to be able to restore others. The Bible says he which is spiritual is to be the one to restore such a one. Amen. That means if there's two parties at odds with one another, one of them's got to be spiritual enough to begin a positive conversation that brings about healing. And if, we, if both parties are offended and both parties sulk, and refuse to be the one to offer the first apology, then we don't get anywhere. You say, well, they was the one who wronged me. I don't owe them an apology. They owe me an apology. Do you realize that your humility and your humbleness, sometimes your willingness to go to someone even when you're not at fault could be the key to revival in your life and in their life? Some of the greatest blessings that God ever released in my life was when I learned to go to people that dogged me over false information that wasn't even true about me and humbled myself before them and tried to make it right even though I did nothing wrong. Because I was willing to take the initiative, even if they didn't get right, even if they didn't accept the apology, I did my part and it's on record in heaven and now God can release Fuller blessings in my life because my heart is in the right place. That's the attitude that we have. And if we'll have that attitude, we can keep the gossip fires put out. Amen? The fifth church killer is powerless preaching. I'll close with this. Psalms 74 and verse 9. The Bible said there is no more any prophet. How many preachers do we have today? 
I didn't ask you how many pulpiteers we had. I wonder how many preachers we have today. We got a lot of pulpiteers. You know what a pulpiteer is, don't you? It's a preacher that's played like a puppet. He answers to the deacon board. He answers to the pulpit search committee. He answers to the association. And whatever strings they pull is the strings he reacts to. That's a pulpiteer. But God give us some God-called preachers that will preach what thus saith the word of the Lord, whether it makes anybody angry or not. Whether it, whether it rubs their fur the wrong way or not. Whether it goes against the establishment or not. Listen, I was saved first. I was called to preach first. Amen. Uh, I, I'm a Christian first before I'm a Baptist or anything else. Amen. And I got to an answer to God. And look, we need to pray that God would send forth preachers that will call this country back to God. And we'll quit playing politics and getting in bed with everything. Amen. And just going with the flow and not wanting to hurt anybody's feelings. At some point, we've got to get back up and say what is offensive if it means declaring the truth. Because the only thing that will help you and set you free is truth. I can lie to you about your condition and make you feel better about yourself, but you're still going to go to hell. It ain't going to help you a bit. But now if I stand up and say you're on your way to hell, but there's a remedy for your sin and his name is Jesus. And if you'll repent of your sin and call on Jesus and if you're willing to turn from your wicked sin and turn to Christ, he'll save you. He'll cleanse you. He'll sanctify you. He'll set you apart. He'll make you a member of the family of God. He'll give you victory over your sin and you'll be just as sure for heaven as if he was already there. Now that kind of preaching will help you because it addresses truth. And it doesn't give you a pacifier to make you feel better about the sin that you so love. Amen? So preaching, bad preaching, bad preaching will kill a church. That's why I want to give you a warning to always back Bible preaching. Amen? Always appreciate and respect Bible preaching. Notice I didn't say always respect the preacher. If the preacher ain't preaching Bible, he don't deserve your respect. What I said was you always respect Bible preaching. Amen? And you have my permission if I ever get out of the Bible, knock me upside my head, amen, and fire my butt and get you somebody in here that'll preach the word. Because we need to get back to valuing preaching. And the Bible says, Great peace have they that love thy law, because nothing shall offend them. See, if you love the Word of God, hard preaching, though it's truth, tough preaching ain't going to offend you. You appreciate it. You value truth over error. You value truth over pacifying. Amen? You don't want a sugar stick. You want something that will help you address your issues and overcome your issues. Amen? Powerless preaching kills churches. And so... In closing, what can we do to ensure that this church doesn't die? Well, we can start by living the life that we profess to live. We can start by swallowing our pride and walking humbly before God and our fellow brothers and sisters. We can start by praying more earnestly and more fervently and more frequently. We can start by blessing people rather than cursing them with their to our tongues and we can start by valuing and appreciating 
powerful preaching from the Word of God that challenges us and motivates us to do what's right in spite of how much uncomfortableness that it might bring to us. If we will cherish truth above all else, you know what? God will smile on us. God will bless us. And I'd much rather have the blessings of God than I had the favor of men any day. Amen. So let's keep it alive, church. Let's make sure that we don't die on the vine. Let's make sure that we keep it real and we make sure that we walk humbly before our God. Thanks for listening today to Pastor Gary's message on True North. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an edition. If you've enjoyed today's message, please leave us a note in the comments and be sure to share these teachings with others. True North is a part of Gary Cottle Ministries, and you can learn more by visiting our website, garycottle.com. Is there something we could be praying for in your life right now? Let Pastor Gary know by sending an email to contact at garycottle.com. That's contact at Gary, C-A-U-D-I-L-L.com. Would you do something for us too? Would you pray for this ministry of True North? We want to make sure we're following God's plans for us at all times, with courage to step out in faith and humility to allow Him to work. Please pray that we'd stay tethered to the Lord always. Would you also pray for others who will be listening to this broadcast? Pray that God will open ears and hearts to His truth, and that many will come to know Jesus as their personal Savior. Thanks for partnering with us in this way. Our time with you is up for today, but thanks for joining us for this edition of True North.